aside Uganda, we are seeing a community of East Africa where blind people are not beggars on the street anymore, but they are working at home with their family members in their bee farm. And instead, they are also employing others to work with them as their sister. And uh, we see, we want to see the environment where we become the incubator for the social enterprise for beekeepers, for the blind people. Stick Your Neck Out, the weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation. Welcome to the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. Welcome to Stick Your Neck Out. My guest today is Ojok Simon. Ojok is from Uganda. He is a 2012 Cantari graduate, a beekeeper, environmentalist, human rights activist, government advisor, world traveler, and a successful businessman. Ojok is also almost blind. Hi Ojok, thanks for accepting my invitation. Hi, thank you, and also thanks for connecting me. Ojok is in Uganda and I'm in Hamburg at the moment we record our interview. The internet connection is unfortunately unstable. We tried for the second time to have this conversation. And even if the sound quality is not up to our standard, we hope you enjoy this podcast. Ojok is a great person and has a lot to tell. At age 13, Ojok, you survived an attack by the rebels of Joseph Kony, one of today's most wanted terrorists who abducted thousands of children from villages in northern Uganda to use them as child soldiers. This led to your blindness, right? Yes. Would you mind to share this, your story with us? Yes, definitely. I'm free to share. In our village, there was a, a raid. A rebel attacked our village. I was sleeping in the house with my mom. Then I had suddenly there's a break in the house. I'm saying, where are the boys? Where are the men? Where are the girls? For me, being a child, I woke up from the bed, confused, standing, and flashlight was everywhere. I didn't know what was going on. And one soldier thought uh, I wanted to run away. He said, hmm? you want to run away? Hmm? You want to run away? So he removed the gun from his back and he hit me at the temple of my head with the butt of the gun. I fell down with a lot of pain. And because of that beating, it causes internal injuries. There was no hospital to attend to. Transport was hard to reach. And uh, three years later, my vision started deteriorating. Only to check with the ophthalmologist, they found I had already the broken lenses because, because of the internal injury. Mm. And it was too much on the left-hand side. That could not even be operated, and I can't see anymore. And it only happened because of the bleeding, and the lens was only hanging on the scars. The proper treatment, and uh, that's how it happened. However, only the right side remained partially. So now I'm using my, my right eye to move around and to see a little bit. Okay. How was the reaction from the people around you? How was your life after you... You started to, to lose your sight. You know, being a personally blind person, first of all, you will be in a confused world. One, you're seeing light. People will say, okay, you can't see. Even when you knock to yourself, say, no, you're, why are you pretending? Why do you know you are seeing? So you're always insulted. And also, your vision 
and uh, of my like my reason of being a doctor was frustrated. I couldn't study medicine the way I thought in my own vision. I couldn't be a scientist as I wished, and uh, I lost hope of studying. There was no hope for me to, to really to be the person I want to be, and uh, I couldn't get praises from my fellow peers because here in the community where I was growing up, people love hunting for the wild honey. And uh, if you get the, you move in the booth, you get where the wild honey are, the honey nest, uh, you will invest at night. But it was very difficult for me to move at the night, climbing up a tall trees, walking on the branches while trying to get where the bee nests are. So I really missed being crazy. I really had a, a loose connection with my fellow peers. Friend could not be anymore like he used to be. Yeah, I can imagine it's, it's a really hard situation. It was still when I learned that there are special needs schools for the blind community to study. So I happened to go to the school, learn how to read Braille, realize that there are so many blind people also who are living in the world. So I joined my fellow blind community and life started gaining back on me. Yes, I was still going ahead, but my love and flavors for honeybees still remain. I see. And I actually wanted to talk to you about that, the love for the bees. Ojok, you are also managing director and co-founder of Hive Uganda. This company is promoting participation of rural blind people in Uganda through agricultural livelihood of beekeeping. About 28 blind and partially sighted men and women of age 20 plus years have been trained from you and your team in beekeeping. What is Hive Uganda about? Actually, losing my sight did not change my love for honey. So, during my holidays, vacation, I was moving in the booth near our home and I found abandoned clay pot. Then there was, I was getting bee stung everywhere. So only to realize that there is a clay pot on the ground with the bees and honey is inside. So I went back home and this time it's on the ground. I got the fire, I came and avenged the honey. It was more than a honey. It became a turning point because I said, if this clay pot, nobody is looking after. It is able to provide me with honey today. I may not do something similar to that. So I became a naughty child, went to my mother's kitchen. I found another clay pot, which my mother is using as a, a store for putting other small substances. So I removed the clay pot, took it to the near the one I found, and This time, left it there. I went back to school. I only found, coming back there another holidays, all of them are being colonized with the honey. So, from there on, my friends started coming back to me. They started, because they want to love, they want to eat the honey. And it was more than, the honey, it was more than for my consumption. I cannot finish all the harvest. So what I do, I make a small living out of it. I harvest. 
sell a little bit of it, get my out of pocket, go back to school. Being educated is one part of the thing. And being in a rural community also is another challenge. So I was lucky among the first visually impaired person in my district to reach the university. Finishing my education, I found a job for human rights activists for people with disabilities. But my fellow blind people, are, they, have, they have disappeared. They can, I cannot see them. Normally when I get them in a rural community, they cry of jobs. They say there are no jobs. And for me, I was being employed. I could spend my little money trying to give them a basic need like the soap, like the clothing. But I said, is that something helpful? Can it really be sustainable? So, I remember that, yes, people are crying of unemployment. There are my honeybees there in the clay pot. And I'm not looking after it, but I can only go and invest. So, can I really not make this to be a source of employment for my fellow blind people who have not managed to get chance to reach the university? So, from there, I had to resigned from my work of human rights and joined the Cantare, where I've learned a lot about the social entrepreneurship. And uh, coming back, now I formally established Hive Uganda. And Hive Uganda is a social enterprise with the aims of seeing blind people are being employed through beekeeping. And instead of blind people moving in the rural, from rural area to urban, looking for jobs, which jobs are always not available, and they end up on a street, a street beggars, we are providing them alternatives, solutions, giving them startup support of five local beehives so that they can open up their bee farm at home, giving them protective sub, uh, gears like a vesting suit, the gum boots, the bee smokers, so that they are able to practice beekeeping, training the family members who work with them as their assistant, and also rendering them another social support from home. So Hive Uganda is an incubator, a system where blind people learn how to live in agricultural world of beekeeping, start their bee farm, and while also they learn other life skills. And with that, actually, we have reached more than 28, so that we still have that 28, which is in our website. But very soon, our numbers, you will realize they are different. We have reached more than 250 blind people. This year alone, through Bees for Development, we managed to train 15 blind people and support them with beekeeping equipment. So which means this year alone we were able to train 70 new blind people, which has really made our numbers to go ahead. And how you that we are moving away from the from donor dependency, but also seeing how we can be self-sustaining. How do you want to do that? We normally have our processing unit where 
after training this blind for starting beekeeping, now the honey is ready. We need to find market. They now become the suppliers to our pro to the to the to the enterprise where we process honey, wax, propolis, and then we market. And the profit we get from there, we generate to help support our administrative work. And uh, also, we want to transform the issue of beekeeping as a traditional way to a modern system. And for us to do that, we have also a Hutu workshop, a workshop where we other well wishers, other volunteers who are sighted, who knows how to do carpentry work, who know how to operate the machine, they would come but will get source of employment. They make for us a quality beehive, and that bee beehive we intend in future now to start supplying to the client community who are already doing beekeeping. So now they can start improving on their hive, improving on their bee farm. We also supply them with bee forest. These are plants like the cashew nut, which they plant into their farm. We started giving them 10 of them seedlings. Each one we give 10 seedlings. And we give to, to more than 15 blind people. We started with 15. With that also we are boosting the environment with the, with the plant. And we are also ensuring that they are only not going to harvest honey, but they are will they will harvest nuts, which is also another source of income to them. So how are you gonna we dream big? Indeed. And this is a really nice project. So from everything you have been telling us, we can agree there is no problems being a blind man or woman and beekeeper. How do you manage to take care of the beehives? How can I picture you working with the bees? Yeah. Actually, beekeeping, even when you're not blind you have to have a protective wares, okay? Which is the harvesting suit. That prevents you from being stung from the bees. That is, blind people also, they are human beings. So they put on the harvesting suit, the protective gears, that can protect them from being stung. Then, we use other extra senses for the blind community. Like one, the weight of the frame if as the honey is different from the weight of an empty frame. So the weight of the frame can also help the blind person to detect whether this frame is having some honey or not. Then too, as you know, we use smell and always when your hive is almost ready to harvest, the aroma, the smell will change to be sweet. And that will definitely tell you that, yes, there is something in the hive and we can invest it. And also, when you touch the textures of the comb, it's different with the texture of the empty comb. The one which is already ready for investing, the bees always seal it off, okay? So that you don't touch the hole. So you find the textures, the touch are different. So that will also make you to understand, yes, my hive is ready for harvesting. And lastly, we also involve the family members who work with the blind community as their guides. And there, one, they are also, in the event where they cannot observe everything, their guide will now be able to observe, say, hmm, 
it is like this. The text is like this. Maybe what does that mean? And to a blind person who has already been trained, you know, that it means is ready for advising. Or the other comb, it has the brood. You cannot pick it, pick it because it said, ah, there's some white stuff, some like like a maggot. What does what is that? I said, okay, that's a brood, a young bees growing up. So don't remove that that what that 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 that, that comb. So we apply a multiple approach and use of the family members also guarantee the security to the beehive. And then also, how can a blind person allocate that this is where my beehives are? We create a landmark. A landmark is like putting a stem, like some log, mm-hmm. and then we shall tie a string. We tie a string that you can lead to you to the beehive. And when you're approaching like one meter to the height, even if you are hearing the bee sound, we always put some 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 notes, which signifies that yes, there is hive one meter in front of you. So from there you can push your white cane to determine the distance. And then you move gently. So we use more than one method. We apply a lot. Because me, who has been in the family of a blind person, also know how we navigate during darkness, how we navigate uh, in a a narrow places, how we navigate and escape the snake bites, okay? Mm -hmm. So all those tactics we use so that uh, a blind person would be able to do participate in agriculture. So from everything that you have been telling us, I would like also to know how are you guys training? I mean, how do you do your training? In fact, uh, sometimes we identify the blind person, person who, who can be trained on blink keeping and others do come. So how do we do our training? We normally use different approach, three main approach. One is the theoretical approach. And a theoretical approach, we always gather under the tree, give information, verbal information, to our intended blind community who want to do beekeeping. And that information, we keep doing it for at least one week. So that they would theoretically learn the bee behaviors, the profit of doing beekeeping. Theoretically, how can you place your hive? How do you maintain your hive? What's the size of a good hive? And then, where do we open our bee farm? Also, in that also, we bring in the family members from the time ago, because so that they are able now to know their roles as family members, the blind person, because blind people are not living in the highland. And in that theoretical training, we used a role model blind beekeepers. Mm-hmm. Those that we have already trained them earlier, they will give testimonies, okay? And they will give word of encouragement to the new beekeepers. They will also share the challenges which they might meet in front. For one week, 
and the guides and the family members are always, one or two of them will be participating together with the blind person. Sometimes if you are married and you have your husband, then that are you or your child who wanted to, who might have gone beyond the age of 18 and want to learn more beekeeping, that would be more advantage because those are your, it's more self-sustaining than your mm. father sometimes. Yeah, yes, exactly. So now, from the practical, from the theoretical, now we go to the practical approach. The practical approach, we first make them touch the objects, that the equipment that is used for beekeeping, make them familiar with. They touch it very well, and that touching, and also they prepare sometimes how to clean, how to do all those, now they do it practically together with their guides. And then we design uh, the what the the, the we design uh, the, the the landmark together. And now even it's easier for them to master, because as a blind person you must know where if you approach here what do you sense. Okay, we take it practically, and then also we take him because we have already blind people who are doing beekeeping, so we take you to the bee farm okay, to learn in the bee farm itself. What you talk about, honey, which is colonized, how, what's the sound of the bees? Because now you are going practically. So, that practical learning, training, it goes almost for like almost to three months. Because we are doing it, we have to constantly visit you. And it's done on individually, one to one. And the trainer moves from home to home. That's great. And then you do it practically. So that is also about practical training. And also we do a training on beehive management. How do you feed your bees? How do you ensure that the, 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 the pest doesn't disturb the bees, okay? All those also we do the training. After that, again, we come back to another theoretical training. When you are now doing the beekeeping, you are now able to get your first harvest. But now we go to record keeping. How do you keep record? When is your bee, bee is colonized? How much kilogram of honey have you got from each of the hive? We do it so that also you study your own business. Okay? So, as that is being done now, now we take it through enterprise development. Okay? And then we link you also. Other maybe to another opportunity that might exist. So maybe you can also approach other people. They can be open enough to help you, or if you have your clean idea, or you can come up in a group like this. Keep bringing in your challenges. Then we keep addressing it one one on one as we keep identifying more people. Okay, I understand. What is the potential impact of? Hive Uganda. Do you have a certain goal, a vision, something you dream to realize with it? As Hive Uganda, we are seeing a community of East Africa where blind people are not beggars on the street anymore, but they are working at home with their family members in their bee farm. And instead, they are also employing others to work with them as their sister. And uh, we see we want to see the environment where we become the incubator for the social enterprise for beekeepers, for the blind people. And uh, we are testing, if you follow bees for development, 
you will find signs of blind beekeeping already there. Don't ask me who brought it. You already know that hive, Uganda. We dream big. We want to be self-sustaining. We don't want to depend much more on donation. We invest on our income. However, sometimes we still have challenges of the overhead and the running costs. We have a hope of establishing a one-stop center, a center which is an incubation, a center which other people would travel and come and learn how to do various on beekeeping. Even if you are not blind, you can be also free to learn, but it is specifically for the blind people, but also promote an inclusive approach because we live in a community where other, uh, other humans also, they are, they are part of our market. So we want to move poverty out of blind people. And it's not a one man's hand, it's a joint hand. Yes, of course. I also read that you have also um, a special interest in supporting female blind person or all the people who are disadvantaged for one reason or another. Could you tell us a bit more about that? In my approach, I am inclusive and also promote gender. So in the approach of promoting gender, even I would say almost 40% of our beneficiaries are blind people, are women. And then also our master trainers. We have six of them. Out of six, they are 50-50. 50% are male and 50% are women. And we encourage that because women are triple at disadvantage. First of all, being a blind and also being a woman. And now you face triple negative attitude from the community. Sometimes you end up being a single mother. Right? So we do encourage and also involve them sometimes with next part of the women organization. But our work is to make them come out from wherever they are that they are seen in the light. So we encourage a lot of women blind people. Actually, we want to have more women so that uh, they, we try to transform the life of women with visual impairment. I'm sorry to say that even in my district where I come from, when you look at education, women are with visual impairment, they are disadvantaged. Few of them as a graduate have a degree, or none, or let me say, not, sorry to say that to you, even none, let me say none. Because, so we want also to encourage that, yes, you need to attain formal education so that you can have mindset change, so that you can have cognitive development, so that you can articulate issues, you can analyze ideas, you can defend, you can, you can argue, okay? So we want to encourage our women with visual impairment to be on board as, as men. We are not saying women are visual impairment, we are at equal level with other communities, but if you go to the level of uh, development among the visual impaired person, men are much ahead than women. And we want to change the status quo. Yeah, and that's awesome. That's awesome. Ojok, you are a well-known beekeeper. In 2017, you received the 25,000-nominated Holman Prize, and because of it, you were all over the news. Still, you reminded down-to-earth and kept training blind people to become beekeepers and environmentalists and changing Ugandan society to be more tolerant to people with disabilities. From where do you take the energy to always go on? What makes you work in Uganda so important for you? In my life, 
I want to leave a legacy when I'm still alive. A memory where I can be, where I can do wonders, where people can study about myself. People can say, okay, to be a social change, what you need to be. A legacy where I can be like a James Allman. A situation where I can leave the history, like when you look Abraham Lincoln, when they talk about democracy in the world, if you don't know about Abraham Lincoln, means you have not talked about democracy. If you want to talk about the issue of uh, human rights and you're not talking about the Vienna College and the rights, you have not yet talked about the issue of human rights. You know, you have to be a human. Actually, you have, the heart down. Yes, my heart is down. I don't like being high, high up. Actually, even I don't want to be recognized. <laughs> I just want to be like a small parent. But that can change. That can have a huge change. You see, like, actually, when I joined Kantai and I love when they say it, Kantai means silly, which you can fight and can give, can make you sweat a lot, you know? So <laughs> yeah. I want to be this small cocoon and have, can have a change in the society. I know I'm, I'm alive, I'm a human being. Yes, and uh, whether I like it or not, I will grow whole, I will disappear. Now, before, before disappearing, at least the history about what to do, how to change things, how to make things move positively. I want to do it. I want to see that we need to do things that can transform life, that can make somebody live a happy life. A poor man, when lives with harmony, is my pride. But if he lives with a lot of pain, means I will not sleep at night because he or she will be making noise all, all night and I cannot sleep. So... How can you have a comfortable night when your neighbor is making noise? You live here asleep. Ojok, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for accepting my invitation. Thank you so much. And also to all the listeners, I wish them to follow on our website at www.hiveuganda.org. You learn more about us. You also get, we are also on social media, Facebook. And also you get more about us. Much as sometimes we post less, but we do more than what we post. Yeah. Feel free also to email us if you want to email at ojoksmn at gmail.com. That goes to me directly as a CEO. And uh, thank you to listen to us. Follow us. And we hope you can have a chance to visit in the years to come. And that's it for today. And the man just said, if you want to support or just know more about Hive Uganda and Ojok, visit their homepage, hiveuganda.org. Next week in Stick Your Neck Out, the podcast to restore your faith in humanity, I'm going to be talking to commended giraffe hero and human rights activist, Yas Ohara. She founded the Worldwide Tribe in a bid to highlight the humanity behind world issues and inspire positive social change. The Worldwide Tribe is an organization and online community that raises awareness about the refugee crisis in Europe as well as supporting those caught up in it. It all began after a Facebook post just wrote about her first trip to the Calais jungle in 2015 that went viral. You'll find the stories of people sticking their necks out every Tuesday on Spotify, iTunes, our homepage and every other place where you get your podcast. And if you subscribe, you don't have to look out for us. We'll be coming to you. It will be also awesome if you'd like to tell us about your frontline hero, give us some feedback, whatever. Come and visit us at giraffe-heroes.eu. 
Have a look at our social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. My name is Jean-Pierre Aguiar-Durañona, and I say goodbye today wishing you and your family health, happiness, peace, and prosperity this Christmas and in the coming new year. Christmas is about spending time with family and friends. It's about creating happy memories that will last a lifetime. So I really hope you join us and get to spend also a bit of time with us again next week. Stick your neck out. The weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation. 